Dive In Moviecast, a film podcast where two unqualified critics give their opinions and try and differentiate themselves from every other podcast out there. My name is Hayden. And I'm Wesley. And this week, we're going to be talking about some gems that haven't been tended to. We're going to be diving into the 2019, or 2020, I don't know when it was released, actually, uh, the the film Uncut Gems. I think it's 2019, unless I'm wrong. Um, actually, I think I'm wrong. Anywho, that's not the point. Um... Yeah, this is a wild ride of a movie uh, starring your boy Adam Sandler. You know who it is, the Sandman himself. <laughs> the Sandman. Um, but before we get into the movie, uh, let's talk about life for a bit. Ooh, life. Um, yeah, we haven't caught up in, in a little bit here, so let's just catch up with each, with each other. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's pretty much the same old, same old. I've been working. Um, Me too. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed a whole bunch, but... Uh, I mean, I ordered a, here's some fun stuff about my life. I ordered a ukulele, a build-your-own ukulele. It came in, I built it, I painted it. Wow, it was so calming. I think I've realized my new passion, which is just making things, just, it's so calming and so nice. You're going to get into, like, pottery and, like, woodwork soon? Dude, I'm telling you, man, I'm going to be start making, like, my friends will be, like, for their birthdays, I'll give them keychains and little things that i've built and made and they'll be like why i'll be like it's my new passion i love it that's been seth rogan throughout this quarantine he's been tweeting and and posting a lot he's gotten into pottery and he's been making his own like his own bowls and his own vases and such so that's his new thing i would love a seth rogan vase i would pay a lot of money for that wait real quick do you say vase or vase i say vase so do I. I know it's supposed to be vase, but, yeah, but I say vase. Is it? You know, that could be the same argument as bagel and bagel. But uh, We could get into different pronunciations <laughs> for a while now that we've started the topic. But uh, in particular, I wanted to talk about the fact that things, things are reopening now. Life is starting to return to some semblance of normal, uh, regardless of if it's too soon or whatever people would argue about that. But it, it's happening. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, the thing about it being returning to normal, that term, I think is an incorrect term to use. I do think things are returning to somewhat of the way that they were, but it won't be a normal, it'll be a new normal that we have to deal with. Yeah, I've been hearing that one a lot, new normal, which is what it'll likely be. I mean, tables are going to be separated by the tables now, and when you go out and everything's going to be distancing still so i mean you're right it's not back to normal but closest it can get i guess for now yeah um but since we are a movie uh podcast one thing i will i would like to talk about that i think is really smart is the reopening of drive-in movie theaters um i think that is an amazing way to keep movies going and keeping them being shown to people so people can go out for an event but also keeping them secluded and distanced and families can stay in cars and all that good stuff. Um, I think it's a really smart idea, and I hope to go see a drive-in movie soon once they fully reopen. Yeah, I've been hearing that the local uh, drive-in theaters near us and are planning on reopening within a week or two, I think maybe two. And there's even uh, drive-in theaters that are talking about opening up like that have not existed, like new drive-in theaters. Like There's one that's even closer to us than some of the other ones, and that's never happened and they're they're talking about putting it in a baseball field which is it's cool the fact that here we are now like we got rid of all the drive-in theaters like 20 years ago and now here we are 
2020 and we're getting all the drive-in theaters back and they're very important to uh, the film industry now. It's like a new solution that's come back. And it's interesting because it, I, uh, I sent you this video, but uh, I recently watched a uh, film theory video, which is this guy named Matt Pat, who does, you probably know him from Game Theory. Matt but, Pat is uh, awesome. He's amazing. Uh, but he did a thing before, I think this is before COVID actually, talking about the fall of movie theaters and how uh, movie theaters have obviously been struggling uh, for a while now and COVID's really going to take its toll. So I guess it wasn't before COVID. Um, so it's interesting to see this now because this is kind of the start of this new normal that we have to face where it's like, well, if we want to go out and see movie movies, these diehard movie fans, how are we going to do that? And this idea of opening it, opening up more drive-ins or doing it in larger areas where more people can go see it and just be spaced out and it's still okay. Like that kind of thing is interesting to see being put in place um, in such this, in, in an environment like this where we can't go into a movie theater anymore and where, I heard a statistic that said that um, a lot of movie theaters, if they do open, they're going to be down to like 20% capacity, which yeah. in a movie theater that has 100 seats, that's 20 people. Yeah, so. which means shows are selling out quickly, which means they're going to have to double the amount of show if they're planning on making any semblance of what their their money back would, would look like. So, yeah, I mean, it's crazy now that here we are with drive-in theaters reopening, and that's our best option, I think, because it keeps the groups small, and it lets everybody enjoy it from, like, their, their own space. And I think the only, I mean, concern with the drive-in is going to be, like, concession stands and bathrooms and stuff. But I'm sure those will be maintained and monitored quite often. Well, yeah, I think um, that'll be the biggest issue, which is that no concessions will be able to happen, like, at all. Like, you'll have to bring your own snacks. Like, that's not going to happen. And there won't be any bathrooms, I'm going to assume, unless they're getting constantly cleaned every time somebody goes in which is highly unlikely and i mean if you have um, if you have families there too i mean kids are going to need to go and if they're there for so long and they're eating snacks and drinking eventually it's gonna it's gonna happen so yeah so though there was there are still um boundaries and roadblocks that we'll have to face and figure out how to go around but i'm sure soon enough we'll be able to have some kind of idea of what these are going to look like and how they're going to work out um but it's just a really hard thing to figure out like um for example i am going back to university in the fall but it's dalhousie has stated that most of their classes will be online uh excluding some of those classes that involve that like really need in-person stuff like doctors or dentists or things like that and my theater teachers and professors are trying to include the theater program in that because how do you do a theater class online and not in person? And it brings up all these questions of how is this going to happen? And it could totally work out where my theater classes are in person and we just have to wear masks and stay sanitized. And if you feel sick, you just can't come at all. Yeah. And we just distance because we have large enough spaces to be able to do that. Um, such as like the auditoriums and the theaters that aren't being used because there won't be any theater shows. Right. Um, but it just, 
there are so many ifs and what ifs and questions about it that we can't answer at the moment and we just have to sit and wait and it is awful monologuing over facetime is is your best bet now now (laughs) all your scenes are just going to be over over zoom calls or something i'll be sitting in my room and i'll use that uh i'll use that tiktok filter that you just like stand in one place for a while and it kind of takes a picture and then I'll walk away and it'll be two of me and I'll be having a conversation with myself. Um, but I think what you were saying about just everything being so uncertain and there being um, problems with basically every idea now basically applies to everything like with the drive-in and what, like what we're talking about like with stores opening up it's it's going to be weird and it, it might not go well like by opening all this up there might be, there's a chance that things could get bad again. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Well, it's it brings up the age-old question of will history repeat itself because I think I read this somewhere, uh, excuse me if I'm wrong, but it's that there has never been a pandemic or an epidemic that has not had a second wave in all of history. And so yeah. it's probably coming. Um, and it's I don't get me wrong, I think it's great that some of these places are opening up and giving people jobs again and um, – allowing people to get the things that they need but are we doing it too preemptively and could we have prevented it by just adapting to things like curbside pickup or deliveries and things like that um yeah so it also begs that question and one one thing though that i do want to mention that i think is great about all this quarantine and staying inside and everyone being on social media is the amount of reach that some big issues have like i don't want to get into this too much um but the stuff that's going on in minneapolis uh which is insane and crazy but i think it's amazing how many people have responded to the injustice that has happened for years that has just gone under the radar and now that everyone is online and constantly seeing everything that's going on um there's more of there's more of a response to it and more people realizing that it's it's time to speak up on it and not be able to turn the blind eye anymore exactly and there's even people i saw a post the other day of like how you can support the uh, issue of black lives matter as a white person or as a different race that doesn't can't really speak on that kind of issue um and I think it's awesome that people are really putting that out there and putting that information out there and not letting this slip under the radar by tweeting about Coachella 2020 or something like that. Yeah. So it's really cool to see this like movement happening. We're, I mean, we as, you know, middle class well, white kids, we are very privileged. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, it makes you just realize that you need to, if you need to speak up on it, you can't, you gotta be a voice for it. R.I.P. George George Floyd, man. It's it's terrible, and I'm glad that this response is finally happening. Yes, and it, I think it's great that um, the justice system, it sucks that they did not act upon this sooner, and it ensued in riots and people rioting in the street, which I, I just want to say I think that's really cool. I think that's awesome. I mean, riots are not a good thing, but the fact that so many people realized that this was so wrong and just were outraged by why this is still happening that they out they they that they rioted in their streets and then i also saw pictures of people rioting one night and then the next day cleaning up like the streets like yeah which is insane it's so much support from the community 
Um, and I think it's good that the justice system has actually acted upon it. And uh, this man is now charged for third degree murder. Yes. Charged. Good. Good. Down with that yeah. guy, man. I'm not even going to speak his name. What a piece of garbage. And it's that's awesome. Uh, it sucks that uh, only, him only being charged doesn't mean that he's going to jail or yeah. anything like that. He's just charged, and they still have to go to trial and everything. But I do hope that justice proceeds co- accordingly and that this man gets what he deserves because and, it's such it's so awful. Yeah, and I you can really see, like— just the the injustice and like just how ignorant people are to it when when you see like Donald Trump tweeting towards like the people who are rioting about their sports game he was like these are good people but they're angry and then with this he's like these thugs are a danger and when they start looting we're gonna start shooting I'm like dude oh my god it's yeah. it's disgusting and it's so it's so prevalent and so clear that that they're being suppressed and that it, it's gross it makes me really angry. I saw that tweet, and I saw that Twitter had taken it down, and then the White House tried to retweet it and post it again, and Twitter took it down again. Kudos on Twitter. Good job. <laughs> shut, shut him up, Twitter. Thank you. Yes, please. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's really awful and crazy what's going on in Minneapolis, and we want to just say thank you to all the people who have spoken out and support those people in Minneapolis because they are doing some great stuff yeah. uh, for the world, in my opinion. Yeah, the, the message needs to be heard, and this, this is the only way it's going to be heard. There's no, You can't just say it because people aren't going to listen. It needs to, it needs to happen this way, and that's just my opinion, and that's just how it is. <laughs> it, that, it is what it is. It is, <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> but yeah, um, anywho, that's the world. Things are nuts. Yeah. Let's talk about this crazy movie. The world, yeah, so the world's crazy, so we're going to talk about a crazy movie because <laughs> why not? Um, for those of you who don't know what un- Uncut Gems is, uh, which if you don't, have you been living under a rock for the, ne- the last like couple months? Um, yeah, Adam Sandler is is the king. Surprisingly enough, I can't believe I'm going to say it. Adam Sandler is the king. Um, but this movie is about a man named Howard who struggles with addiction of gambling and literally is throwing his life down the toilet uh, just to try and make a quick buck. Trying to get that, um, trying to get that gem back, get that sweet, sweet cash and that beautiful gem, and so we are essentially taken along this wild ride of Howard's life. It's like if I saw, I was reading a review for it, and it was uh, they said it's like you are taken on a VR game through Howard's life and seeing all the stupid, dumb stuff he does. Yeah, um, just it's basically just watching a, one man's path of self destruction for two hours. Exactly. And it's, um, it's the most anxiety-provoking experience ever, and we're going to get into how, how the Safdie brothers create that anxiety, but yeah, this movie is absolutely insane. It's nuts. And surprisingly enough, uh, Adam Sandler throws out this amazing performance, which I'm going to be honest, before I watched this movie, I did not like Adam Sandler. Um, really? No. Here's the thing. He does have some good movies. Like, we can talk about Punch Drunk Love. Mm -hmm. I was just about to hit you with that. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's got good movies. Um, But there was a, I call it, what I like to call it is I call it the Sandler era, where he starred in a bunch of movies that he made or in a bunch of movies that he was just in to make money for. Mm -hmm. Um, Some examples are Jack and Jill, (laughs) uh, Click, um, 
Pixels, which arguably is a good movie, but also not really. No, it's just it's bad, but it's fun. It's a fun movie, but it's bad. Um, that's my boy, which I enjoyed, but at the same time is so over the top ridiculous and just stupid. Um, like, come on, why is Vanilla Ice there? Why does he have to be there? What you, is he doing? Because when you make a movie, I think in 2013, the, the main actor that you need to hire is Vanilla Ice. Is <laughs> Vanilla Ice. Um, but uh, and there's also, have you ever heard of Eight Crazy Nights? Yes, but I've never watched it. I haven't watched it. I've seen clips from it. Oh, my goodness. Like, it's so bad because <laughs> it's like the worst Christmas movie you've ever seen that's really not about Christmas and is, I don't know, it's just so, I don't uh, know. Well, damn, man. When you said Adam Sandler Christmas movie, I got really excited. And as that sentence continued, I just let all the excitement out. <laughs> well, it's like... It's not, I'm not like harshing on this movie. Watch it and make your own opinions, I guess. Uh, but it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird and Listen, it's not good. You're allowed to hate some of Adam Sandler's movies because <laughs> there are some really bad ones. But um, what I will say about this movie is that it is a great example that any actor can be a great actor as long as they're given the right material. Yeah. Um, and Adam Sandler really shows it in this movie. He breaks the mold of what people think of him and gives this amazing performance that just captivates you for two hours, essentially. If you had told me two years ago that I would have felt Adam Sandler got snubbed of, a, of an Oscar, I would have laughed. But he did, man. <laughs> he, he really did. He deserved, he deserved some sort of recognition at the Oscars for this performance because it's, it's transformative watching him uh, play Howard as a character is absolutely insane and it's unlike anything he's ever done yeah I I, I like some of Adam Sandler's trashier movies like I, I like Grown Ups which is you know a bad take it's arguably a good movie because I mean it's just fun and it's not meant to be taken seriously um, but yeah there are some Adam Sandler stuff that I do like have you seen like Billy Madison I have seen Billy Madison and there's stuff like um, uh, Happy Gilmore yeah. And big, or not big, um, what's that one with uh, Dylan or Cole Sprouse who plays the kid? Oh, I know which one you're talking about. I can't and remember what Adam Sandler's like a bad father or something like that. I can't remember. Anywho. A lot, lot of Adam Sandler movies of varying quality is the main takeaway here. Exactly. So don't judge Adam Sandler by uh, what he has done because some of the stuff he's done is... <laughs> but this is really good. So just to get into... Howard is a character. He's our main character. We follow him all the time. And he is insane. Um, <laughs> he's a jeweler in New York. And um, I was reading about it, and a lot of this is like kind of common fact for this movie, but uh, he did a lot of preparation for this movie, like a lot of researching. He followed around jewelers and gamblers, and um, he kind of submerged himself into this world. Which yeah. I think is really good. He went all the way like to into like the Diamond District of New York, and he really like studied people who had ruined their lives over gambling and uh, jewelers, and just the whole culture around the Diamond District and everything about that. And he 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 dived into that pretty in intensely. And so there's a lot of information that you can see in his performance that he learned. Yeah, and he does a really uh, great job. I think at embodying those characters, even if it is a. Um, 
slightly overhyped version of that character, that kind of person. Um, but we see him like constant throughout this movie. He's constantly betting and making deals, and he always owes someone money. And that's just his character. He uh, is essentially controlled by this addiction of gambling so much that it um, destroys his life and the people around him. Yeah, and and you can really see it in like the little details where like he's struggling for money and then he gets that money back plus some, and then he bets more, hoping he can make more money off of that money that he just got back. And yeah, he's, he's constantly looking for that next big score or that next bet. And that that really shows in like the scene, um, going into spoilers now, where he gets uh, Kevin Grant. Grant, what's his name? How am I forgetting his name? Kevin Durant. Oh no, it's Kevin. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Anyways, I think it's Garnett. Oh, it is Garnett. Kevin right, Garnett. Right, right. Anyways, when he gets his ring, he instantly goes to a different jewel shop and pawns that off, despite knowing that he needs that ring to get the gem back. And he's his main goal this entire movie is the gem, but despite having a pretty easy trade of the ring and the gem, in, in a couple days, he goes and he pawns off the ring. It's not even a couple days. It's like a couple hours. He literally gives uh, him the this, like beautiful black opal i think is what it is um to kevin uh kevin grant and then takes his immediately takes his ring and goes to these other guys gives them the ring in exchange for money um he hasn't pawned it off he gives them the ring in exchange for money and then he can bring the money back to get the ring back yeah um and so he is just constantly making these bad decisions like the first bad decision he makes is giving away that stone um, just so that uh, he can have this stone for his basketball game or whatever. And you see that happen, you're like, why? Why would you do that? And then you are constantly keep asking, why? Why would you do that throughout the rest of this movie? Yeah, and you can really see where the movie begins, he's already ruined his life. Like, we're watching, like, basically the final chapter of a dude who's ruined his life. And when the movie starts... He doesn't have a good relationship with his kids. He's cheating on his wife, and I'm pretty sure him and his wife are getting a divorce. Am I right? I don't. I think they're on the brink of getting a divorce. I don't yeah. think they actually have it finalized, but I think they're on the brink of it. But he's already pushed everybody away and too far. Like he's already fucked things up by the time the movie begins. And it, it's sad to see because you know in his heart he hopes that he can make enough money at one point so that everything can get better. Like, that's his end goal, is to make enough money so that he can just have everything okay again, but you know it can't happen. Like, yeah. he's gone too far. Um, And I think that's one of the things this movie really does well, is it makes you feel the tension and stress and anxiety um, that Howard must feel throughout his entire life. Like, um throughout this movie you're constantly on the move like if you're in one place you're in one place for a conversation then howard's gone to the next place and he's just running around new york constantly seeing new people and making deals and there's constantly somebody asking him uh where's my money where's my money like all this stuff yeah howard is he's such a complex character because like all of his actions are like not justifiable like he he does some really bad shit in this movie but he's sympathetic due to the fact that you know that he's just a guy who who hopes for the best and wants the best, but has already broke every chance of having that. Like, he's already fucked his life up too far. 
And so he's slightly sympathetic, but he's also, he's really not a good person. And I think him being played by Adam Sandler, who is usually like likable, funny guy in a lot of his movies, really adds to that, that portrayal because you want to root for him, but you also don't because he's not a good person. Yeah, it's it's that classic underdog story of like, this guy is so awful and he's the worst and he is like at the bottom, but you just want him to succeed at least once because uh, he's trying so hard. Um, but I think that's one of the cool things uh, that this movie does with his character is that this constant movement and... Uh, like making these deals and all this stuff, like we understand and we feel the stress that he's put under. Um, but that's just what he's used to. That's his life. Like he would be useless without all that stress. Like um, I think it sh- it gets shown perfectly in the scene where it's like he's in his office with his mistress and they finally get, they're like arguing about something or something like that. They're in this big heated fight. And then he gets all his money, like the last amount of money he gets at the end of the film. He gets all that money. And you're like, he's good. He's fine. And he's like, we're going to bet it all again. And um, him and his mistress are on good terms again. And he's like in his prime once again as he's betting away all this money he just got to pay off all these people. Yeah. Um, and I think it just shows. Uh, how much of this addiction has taken over his life. Like, he's gotten to the point where if he's not gambling and he's not betting and he's not, like, doesn't have all this stress, um, he's just not a good person. And there's he's, like, useless, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that really shows, too, in, like, the line where... or ha- no, Not the line, but the fact that he goes from crying in, like, his mistress's arms in his office about how everything's going horrible and how he never wins and everything. And then the next like five minutes later, he's talking to Kevin Garnett and he's like, this is how I win. This is me. I'm going to win this. And I'm like, you, that switch is just, it is such a damaged mental state of a man who's just like, I can, I can constantly do better. Yeah. And it's insane to see some of the decisions he makes. Cause like he really bets everything on the line at the end of this movie. When, He's got these people chasing him down for his money that he has in his hands. He has all this money, and um, he could just pay them off, and he would be okay. But then he decides to bet it all on, like, the tiniest odds in this one basketball game. And it's the dumbest decision you see him make, in my opinion, in the entire movie. And you're like, why? What are you doing? Oh, it's um, It's definitely the dumbest decision, and... It's ultimately what leads to his death at the ending of the movie is the fact that he pushes it just too far. And the one chance where he sorry, just got a hiccup. And the one chance where he could have paid it off and everything would have been fine and he could have just gone his separate ways and had his money, they have their money, he just pushes it one final time and that time it just it it's too it's too late. Exactly. Um but that's a I think that's a good segue into the other thing that I wanna mention is like when we're talking about all the stress and stuff is the sound in this movie because mm-hmm. we get so many conversations in this movie where everyone's just talking over each other. Um, there's like seven conversations happening at once and it's just this loud, like amalgamation of noise invading our eardrums. And we don't know, we can like pick out a couple sentences and like words and stuff like that. Um, 
but I think it's super well used because it just adds on to the levels of stress. Yeah, like, and it's the cinematography too, just the way it moves and the way every character is talking and yelling over each other mixed with like the the soundtrack which is very loud. Yeah, um uh one thing one scene I want to mention is the first scene where uh Kevin Garnett's in um Adam Sandler's or Howard's uh like store and we see we see a, another great actor I want to mention is Lakeith Stanfield. He's amazing in this movie as well. He plays like Howard's hustler guy who hooks him up with all the connections. Um and uh it's when Howard essentially first shows Kevin the this rock of this like beautiful opal and um Kevin's trying to convince Howard to give him like the stone and the three of them are having this conversation where it's just like yeah just give him just give it to him he, he'll he'll take care of it don't worry just give it to him and it's all happening all at once and it's this like stressful thing where you just like give it to him please do something just yeah, i need just, this to end just stop it's, saying it it's like the feeling when you're stuck in an argument um between two friends like two friends are having an argument and you're just sitting there and you don't know what to do and they're just going back and forth and they yeah. in, it's increasing in volume and you're just like stop please stop please stop um it's so good and that that is like what is apparently becoming the safety brothers uh tone and their style because good time is very much like that as well and you should definitely check that movie out soon because it's great but it, it's very similar with the people talking over each other and the chaotic uh just the cinematography is so all over the place and it's moving so frantically and they that seems to be just the tone that they've developed for their for their movies is the Safety brothers are the anxiety movie guys. <laughs> they will make you sit on your couch and bite your nails until you have nothing left. Um, but yeah, I another thing I want to mention about the sound in this movie is that a little fun fact: this movie uh, ranks seventh in the most f bombs dropped in film history in a movie. Is it really? It's seventh. Do you want to try and guess what number? How many f bombs are? Uh, seventh. Okay, because I know that. Hangover must be pretty high up in that list because it says a lot of F-bombs. But I'm going to guess the uncut gem is probably, like, up in the 250s. Well, it stands at 408 F-bombs. Is it? Wow. And that's seventh. I, w I don't know what first is. I should look that up. But um, Which I totally understand. There is so much crude language in this uh, movie. And... I think it adds on top of onto the like world that he's in. Like he ducks through back alleys and the backs of stores, and obviously he does some shady stuff. Um, but never, I think it just adds on to on top of like this kind of underworld that he's in, where he's trying to make money. But there's these people who literally want to kill him and hunt him down because they because he owes them money. Yeah, a lot of people yelling at him, and he's pissed off a lot of people. So I could definitely see how it's up there, but I did not know it was that high. That's crazy. Yeah, 408. Wow. Um, but that's another thing that this movie has that makes it even crazier. It's just nuts all around. Um, but another thing I want to mention about this movie, or about the sound at least, um, is I guess it's more about the sound and the elements of constantly moving around and Howard as a character. Um it kind of these elements kind of help us understand who Howard is and why we like him so much. It's that rush of addiction and betting it for one more like 
think about when when you're playing a game or something. Let's say let's use Monopoly as our game. I don't know why we're using Monopoly, but it's the first one that came to my head. Um, anywho, when you're playing Monopoly and you get a railroad, and you know how you have to have all four railroads to get like a huge amount of money. So whenever somebody lands on that railroad. If you have two of them, it's like $75. And if you have three of them, it's like $200 or something like that. It's that feeling of landing on a railroad, getting that railroad, and being like, if I get four, if I get three more, I can make so much money for whoever lands on that railroad. It's that chance of maybe it will happen and maybe I'll make it big. Um, But in reality, we know the chances are very slim. Yeah. And And for a lot of people who get hooked, sorry, I didn't mean to uh, interrupt. For a lot of people who get hooked into the life of gambling, it's because they win big, like, early into their gambling or, like, they hit some crazy jackpot that inspires them to want to keep doing that and keep trying. It's it's this false uh, comfort of, well, I won once, so I can keep winning again. And it's like, well, no, it's it's going to get you like that. That's how it sucks you in. Exactly. Um, and especially for Howard, it sucks him in hard. Like, he literally is destroying the lives of everyone he knows um, like he has an awful relationship with his family. Uh, his mistress hates him, but loves him at the same time. His business is suffering because of his addiction and gambling. He is literally like, I, I think one of my favorite things about this movie is the performance, uh, Kevin gives Kevin Grant, um, Garnett, but yeah, Garnett. Right. Um, I don't know basketball. Me, me neither. <laughs> I don't I don't sports. Um but uh he gives a really good performance in this movie in my opinion. Like I look at him sometimes in this movie and it, he scares me. Um but maybe it's cuz he's so tall. And he's uh, he's he's not an actor like typically. Like I think this is his first role if I if I'm correct. But yeah, like the the Safety brothers have developed sort of a penchant for for casting actors blended in with non-actors and that's something they do in Good Time and it's something that they do with other uh, cast members in this movie as well is they cast people who don't typically act to try and balance it out with that feel of like a list like highly trained actors with like people who who just follow the lead of others and they they can give a great performance that way too yeah and um when we see him betting on because like there's a point in the movie where the reason why howard needs that opal back from uh kevin is because uh it's going up for auction and so he goes to this auction and um, he wants, he obviously wants this rock because he thinks it is helping his basketball career. Um, And so as he's like betting on it, you see the intensity he has. And also along with the fact that in this same betting thing, Howard is there with his like uh, father-in-law. I think that's how he is, how he's related to him. And Howard's father-in-law is being convinced by Howard to try and upbid this uh, opal so that Kevin will buy it for more money and he'll make more money off it. Yeah. And in the end, that ends up failing him because then the father-in-law ends up with the opal and he does not have the money to pay it. Or I think he does, but it, like is all of his money. Um, and that that is another example of how Howard ruins like his family's life and everyone around him because of his addiction yeah um but a fun fact since we're talking about the family this is just one other thing i want to mention is that in this movie um 
I have not, I'm going to make a statement. I've not seen Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm sorry. I don't know why I haven't seen it. I should watch it. Um, Rocket, Rocket Man's better. Well, I'll watch both of them because I haven't seen either of them. Uh, as a music man, that's, that's like highly offensive to anyone. <laughs> yeah, you got to get around to it. They're good. I know, I know. Anywho, um, the house that Howard's family is in is actually the same house that's used in Bohemian Rhapsody um, as, uh, I don't know what scene. I'm I assu- just read that fact. <laughs> I'm assuming it would be Freddy's house because the the house scene here in, in Uncut Gems is a pretty nice, like, rich person house. And there's a house that's very characteristically the same with, like, a big staircase that looks like the same one here. So I think I know which house you're talking about. I'm going to assume that's it because it said it's seen in the – it is seen in the scene where uh, Freddy's wife says that she's pregnant. Oh, uh, okay. Like okay. Yeah. Um. I should really watch this movie. <laughs> Anywho, uh, this is a little fun fact. But yeah, um, I as a kind of like a big magnum opus kind of thing I want to talk about is uh, obviously we have to talk about the opening shot of this movie. Um, we So this movie, I love the way we enter this movie because we essentially are shown this beautiful opal that is a huge part of this movie and we like the camera dives into it and we see all these cool colors and all this stuff and then things kind of start to change a little bit until we realize as the camera comes out that we are actually coming out of howard's colon howard's at a colonoscopy (laughs) okay so basically your enjoyment for this movie will will depend on when you watch the first scene how do you feel about starting this movie coming out of adam sandler's butt um, I was overjoyed. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Because that, that is basically what will decide how you feel about this movie is, yeah, you, st- you start the movie coming coming out of Adam Sandler's butt. Um, but I was reading a review for this movie, and I think it, it makes a really solid point about this opening shot. Yes, it's weird that we enter this movie through Howard's colon as he's getting a colonoscopy. Um, but I think it also kind of hints at this overarching theme that Howard has where at the core of his being at the center of his being is this idea that Howard is obsessed with this jewelry and these gems and money um it's at the core of him and he can't help but chase it uh there was like a term that they used I think it's called like money madness and it's used a lot in movies where villains, their downfall will ultimate, ultimately be their need and their want for that money or that treasure or that gold. Um, and it's the downfall of Howard in this as well. Um, but I think it's, it's, a, it's either a very thematic way of showing that at his center, all he can think about is these gems and these uncut gems. Ooh. Ooh, uh, there it is. Roll credit, roll credit, roll credits. Roll credits. Um, we'll see you guys next. I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's this undone, it's this uh, fire inside of him that makes him want to constantly chase these gems that he needs in his life. Or we just enter the movie through his butt. Who knows? Yeah, may- um, maybe there's something deeper to it, or maybe we just enter the movie through Adam Sandler. Uh, but. I, I, I guess you could say, I guess you could say, maybe there's deeper meaning, or maybe it's all BS. <laughs> oh. ah! I'm going to leave that drum, <laughs> maybe I'll put a drum cymbal sound effect in there. I might, who knows. Do it. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's awesome, too, how 
you start the movie coming out of Adam, or you begin the movie coming out of Adam Sandler's butt, and you end the movie entering the bullet in Adam Sandler's forehead. Yeah. So this movie ends. Um, this movie ends with Howard making this ridiculously small, no way this is gonna happen kind of bet on um, a basketball game on a Celtics basketball game, and it ends and. It's at the point where he is watching the game happen in his store on a window and he has trapped the people who he owns money who he owes money to in the entrance of his store, which is two doors. You go through one you buzz yourself through one door, and you buzz yourself through another, and he can lock both those doors. Like he could lock someone in them. Um and so they're in there sweating, dying. Not actually dying, but it's very hot and dying of heat. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Howard wins all of his money back and more, and he's so excited and so happy, and he lets them out, and then he gets shot in the face. One one of the guys who you could tell he was the most like gruff and pissed off out of them all. He's just like so done with it, and yeah, he Adam Sandler wins all that money. He can pay them back way more than he owes them, but at this point, it doesn't matter. They're just so they're just so sick of it. And on top of that, they have all the money that he owes them directly in front of them with with his store. They can basically just take everything that he has and then they got back what he owed them anyways and they didn't have to do it with him constantly bullshitting them and lying to them. So they yeah, they put a bullet right in his forehead and then uh the guy who he owed money to, I I think is his stepbrother, uh he he starts freaking out cuz Howard just died and then they shoot him as well and they take everything in his store. Yeah, they just loot his store. And it, I think it perfectly depicts the idea that Howard's fantasy and dream of that he could get enough money so that everything would be okay is impossible. Um, there is there, He has burned too many bridges at that point to be able to make amends for what he has done. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately leads to him getting shot in the head. And even if he did not, like, even if he didn't get shot in the head there, he has already burn too many bridges the money is not going to fix the damage you've done which is ultimately what he is so blinded by the entire movie is this desire to fix it with with more if i get more money i can fix this and that's not what he needed to do what he needed to do is be a father to his children and be a husband and that is what he can't fix with money it's it's too late exactly his his solution to life um that would have solved all of his problems is money but that doesn't work for everyone else it only works for him um, and he eventually bites the bullet. Oh. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm making so many jokes in this You're You're episode. in a punny mood today, Wesley. Dude, I don't know, man. It's Maybe it's the heat. Maybe it's getting to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Just take a minute to recoup ourselves after yeah. four various puns. Yeah, you know, I just, I think it's fitting. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so... That's how this movie ends, and I think it's, I think it is such a. I remember watching this movie for the first time, and when it ended like that, I literally, I think I went no, because we watched this movie together, right? Yeah, and we were we were a little drunk for it. I think we had like three or four beers, and yeah, yeah, it was wild. The ending there, the way we felt after that, we were just like, are you? That's it. Yeah, it's such an abrupt ending too, um, and I think it's very fitting for the movie, like. It's the only moment where you're like, yes, Howard, you finally did something right. And then, boom, get shot in the head. And then movie's over. And the way it just briefly fades into his head, it's 
it's great because you enter the movie through Howard and you exit. The second Howard is dead and gone, there's no more movie because we are literally following following strictly Howard. It is literally the VR experience of Howard's life. That's um, yeah. I guess I could see now what you meant a little bit more by that for sure. Yeah, uh, and I think it. I think it's super cool and really well done. And I I love this movie honestly. Like Adam Sandler, wow. This really. is. This is a 4.5 for me. I might someday upon a rewatch be like, you know what? This is a five. Maybe I'll push it there eventually. I I would leave it at a 4.5. I think only because the stressfulness of this movie is great. Um, But it's one of those movies where you sweat bullets for the entire thing. And afterwards you're like, wow, what happened? Like what just happened? Like when I was trying to remember this movie, because I haven't seen it in a while. I had to look up videos and stuff because I couldn't. It was. It all felt like a fever dream. Yeah, um, but I think it's still really well done. I don't really think I have a lot of problems with this movie or any at all. Me neither. Um, it's just not perfect. There's. I. I just can't give it the five. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but the Safdie brothers did amazing with this. I'll have to watch Good Time. Um, Good Time. If you need a. If you need another movie other than The Lighthouse to show you uh robert pattinson's acting career there you go yeah Um, that that one in high life for sure both good recent highlights that he's had but i think it this movie does an amazing job at showing that any actor can do a good job when given the right material and i think adam sandler was a great choice this movie i don't know if there was somebody else who could have done better oh absolutely absolutely not he's so fitting for what the character of howard is supposed to embody for sure and i think the safety brothers said that they wrote that character with Adam Sandler in mind, and it took like a while. Like I think I read somewhere that it took ten years to get Uncut Gems actually made from when they first had the idea of it. And oh, wow. yeah, like they, I think they, I don't, I don't remember if they wrote it with Adam Sandler in mind, but I know that he was definitely who they wanted for the role, and he's he's perfect for it. And yeah, I think he was a great choice. I think the argument I've heard it a couple times from a, a few people that the movie could have ended differently or not so abrupt. I just I just don't agree because. How else does this end? Howard doesn't. There's no chance he's gonna fix anything. Like he's, and I think that's pretty clear. The entire movie is he has burnt too many bridges, and by the time he gets a bullet in the head, I think that I I didn't see it coming. But when it happened, I was like, okay, yeah. And I I think it is a good way to end the movie because um, Howard is a character. He would have never stopped. He would have gotten all that money. He maybe would have paid them off. Now he had a gun to his head, but then he would have just gone and gambled the rest again. Yeah. Like, and then pissed off someone else. Exactly. It's an unending cycle of just addiction, throwing himself into the worst pits because he's so enveloped in this addiction. And I think it perfectly, the movie ends itself perfectly because there would have been no end. There is no end to his uh, addiction. Until he's stopped, yeah. So. And, and I mean, this, the Safdie brothers, uh, with Good Time and with this, that's like a great double feature. Like, these movies, they're doing very different things, but the tone, the chaoticness, and everything about it, it's very similar, and they make a great watch together. And I'm honestly, I'm hoping that they make, like, some sort of thematic trilogy with, like, their third movie, where, like, they release this third one, and it's, like, a crazy anxiety-provoking movie, like, just like the last two. And it makes some sort of like trilogy, and then maybe they start experimenting elsewhere. Yeah, who knows? But they are amazing uh, directors, and I kudos to them for making this amazing movie if and they, showing us Adam Sandler's true potential. 
if they want to make an entire career out of giving me anxiety, I, I will be here for it. Yeah, I'll take it. Honestly, you know what? I could use some more anxiety in my life these days. <laughs> yeah. My life's too dull. I want I want to be chased around and uh, just constantly asked, where's my money? I yeah. need that in my life. At this point with everything going on, you may as well just throw a shit ton of anxiety into the mix. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all I have to say for Uncut Gems. Do you have anything else to add? No, I think that's about it. Well... Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Um, As always, you can check out our other episodes on different movies and all that good stuff. Um, And you can follow us on Instagram at the Dive In Movie Cast. Uh, And you can also follow our individual Instagrams. Mine's at Wesley Giffen. And I am at Hayden Kutris. And we are the same uh, names on Letterboxd. If you want to check out our uh, movie reviews and recommendations, that's where you can find it. Um, And... before we sign off, I just wanted to say we have some pretty cool uh, things that we have in the works and some something pretty awesome that I don't feel entirely comfortable saying on the episode right now. But if you follow us on Instagram, uh, there will be updates on that, and hopefully it'll be next weekend, if not the weekend after that. But yeah, there's there's some cool stuff in the works here at the Dive In Movie Cast, so make sure to stay tuned. Yeah, even in quarantine, we make a move, baby. Um, but yeah, keep keep uh updated on our stuff and we'll post everything on social media try to stay as updated as we can but yeah we got some big things in the works yeah so some, make sure something you awesome stay next tuned. week for sure I, I hope it ends up happening next weekend if not the weekend after that but yeah make sure you stay on instagram because this is this will be a good episode i'm really excited but yeah thanks for watching and we shall see you guys next week see you on the next one